Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka, and I am excited because with me today, I've got Brad Smith from Stellar Insight, and we're going to be talking about improving a business sale or succession, or succession with growth. Brad, awesome to have you here today. Good, good to be here. That's the fun adventure you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a fun adventure. So, Brad, let's let's talk a little bit about Brad to get started here, man, because you got an interesting past. You've been an executive coach for for a little while now, and uh, but but the interesting part is, how do you go from being a chemist and and work or working at HP and doing things with, I mean, crazy things with wafer and all this kind of stuff, and going to executive coaching? Well, so the long-term view is I watched my dad start 34 companies as I was growing up and kill 30 of them because he was a product development guy. So he was he raised me to be a chemical engineer. I was like, I think that way. Okay. Uh I got within a term of a degree in biochemistry and then stopped because I said, not doing that. I don't like to write for a living. Yeah. I like to deal with people. So I went back and finished in business management and MBA in marketing and finance. So I'd have the tools. If my, you know, if I'd been doing that, my dad probably would have only started nine, but nine of them would still be running instead of three, right? Yeah. yeah. So I've got 30 ways to kill a company in the back of my mind. Yeah. So when I work with people, so when you have a chemistry process, you're looking for a specific end result. You put things in the beaker, you do an experiment one at a time, you change a single parameter at a time. You know, you turn the heat up, you put a little more salt in, whatever you're doing, right? You mm-hmm. change one parameter at a time and you measure the results. So if you go after business the same way and you want a specific result, one of the things you do is, okay, if your intent is five years from now, when I get to a certain age, I'm going to sell my business. Why would people buy a business that was losing money? Why would people buy a business that was flat for 15 years? They're going to be excited because of the potential for themselves. Buying a company is a selfish process, right? You, you buy a company that is consistently growing. And what I like to do with my clients is to step in with them, look at every aspect of the business, tweak all the parts, and finish the process. So if I can go in and say you're growing at 20% a year for the last five years, right? I've got a client like that right now. Um, You go in, you tweak everything that's there, look at all the gaps that are there. And at the end of the year, you're growing at twice that. So Mm -hmm. 20% to 40%. That's significant. When you work at that for a period of time, 
you build up a process so that people can look at that and say, oh, I've got three years of consistent 40% growth. I'm willing to pay this for it. And the person, so I have an example, right? I had a okay. client. He came to me. He said, I'm part of a group. You know, we're doing this. I'm not getting what I need. So I started coaching him. And we went from the three and a half million he'd done the year before, 3.6, I think. And the next year he was at 6.8. Okay. The following year he was at 9.3. Am I remembering the right numbers? Maybe 9. Point, yeah, 9.6. And then the following year after that, he was at 12.8. Three years, right? Mm -hmm. We'd taken him by a factor of four. But the following year after that, he only went from 12.8 to, so I stopped working with him, 12.8 to 13.3. But with all the things I'd taught him and the restructuring of literally the whole business, he was at 13.3, but had multiplied his net profit by a factor of five. Yeah. Why would you yeah. be, you know, build a business, but that takes skills, insight, so essentially, I trained companies, whole companies and the leaders to learn how to tool themselves for consistent, steady, ferocious growth. What are the limitations around that? You've got money limitations. You've got people limitations. You've got structural production limitations. Mm -hmm. If you're a service industry, then you've got people training issues, right? So train them for hiring, training. So everybody talks about having a pipeline for their sales. Almost nobody thinks about having a pipeline for their employees or talent. A yes. talent pipeline is huge. Yeah. And you start that by looking at what's on the plate of the CEO and having them, obviously I've got this process pretty well drilled down, but yeah, um, you look at everything that's on your plate this is homework. Everybody that's listening, look at your entire plate. What do you do? Whatever it's a week, whether it's a month, doesn't matter, and put a number of hours to it. And then you look at all the things you have really zero business doing, and you figure out how you're going to pay for the person that can do that better than you. You bring them in, you hire them, you take their talent, you train them up, to do things the way you need them done and you turn them loose and you check on them on a regular basis. Like everybody ought to do that. Right. There's yeah. a single thing everybody misses. Almost everybody of the hundreds of people that I've talked to business owners. I've talked to one company hired with a specific process for looking at character. One boggled me. Right. Wow. Yeah. Nobody else was doing it. So when you hire, you start with what are the what are the results that need to be done? What are the tasks that need to be done to get the results? What are the skills that are needed in order to do the tasks in order to get the results? And what character makes those effortless? What character makes those effortless? Right. Those tasks. Words, getting those tasks on there. Yeah. Right. If you're hiring a bookkeeper, the key question, I love this part. There's mm -hmm. a key characteristic that each kind of level needs, right? For a bookkeeper, what's the key detail? Details, right? Mm -hmm. I want this to go around the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you ask them, do you lose socks in the laundry? Because if you mm. naturally don't lose socks in the laundry and you've trained your whole family to not lose <laughs> socks in the laundry, you've got management dialed and you've got detail dialed. Isn't that do amazing? You, do you lose socks in the laundry? Uh, right? That's funny. Here's, here's another big one. We have a whole generation, bless them, of, of people that have almost no work ethic. That's a rampant thing in the country. But when you're interviewing, how do you ask them if they have work ethic? You can't ask them that. They'll say, yes, I have mm -hmm. it, right? No. You ask them, who taught you how to work? And how old were you? Yeah. And then you ask them what their first paid job was and how old they were. And if they're young, you're good. If they're, oh, I didn't get my first job until I graduated from college. <laughs> yeah. Then you got to test him for about six months. Yeah. Isn't that, but that's just like, you know, it took me probably two months working with a client of mine trying to figure out how do I hire people that have work ethic? And we finally stumbled into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, there's, there's, and there's, Yeah. Yeah, there's just different kinds of there's just different kinds of work ethic too because it, they we're we're running into a situation now that we you or I have never seen before in the fact that there's five generations in the workplace now. Right. Right. And and you and then to top it off, uh, uh, Christina Harrington, a friend of mine, shared an article I don't know a few weeks ago about being that you and I are native analog. But the the workplace is the majority of people in the workplace now are native digital people. Yep. So that right. we have to we have to think about not only are we trying to communicate with with people in their twenties all the way into their fifties, sixties, and, and beyond, we we have now people that prefer analog conversation and people that prefer digital conversation, which right. is completely different. Right. And that's that's a lot of the things that we see in the in these companies now, especially in older established companies, is that they've built themselves on being naturally analog companies. The leaders are still naturally analog people. And but this middle management and some of the executive leaders are now transitioning to these are natural native analog people and were run founded and started by that and as you as you move over time some of these these companies have to develop more digital uh, and it's it's really becoming becoming a challenge i think well there's a problem with digital in that you don't build depth of trust yes and so what has to happen is you have to compensate for that by having face to face conversations you can train people into that Right. Yeah. But it's repetition. It takes 72 repetitions of a single letter for a child to learn a single letter. Letter B, letter C. Right. 72 times. Right. Minimum. And so in order to get somebody, fortunately, adults don't need 72 repetitions in order to build a habit. But if you build a habit of, OK, we're going to talk this way, then you can build them into the analog and build mm -hmm. them into it. But it's not the analog or digital. What's necessary is the depth. Mm -hmm. 
Do you trust yeah. them? At what point do you trust them? Or what point do they trust you? So rapport and and trust are the keys. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point around that. We'll, co- we'll come back to that too. So if one of the things that you said in, in your profile I was reading, it says, if you have an unrelenting itch for excellence, you might be a good candidate to work with me. What, what's that about? What's that about? I love to work with people that have ambition. Yeah. You know, the most disappointing thing is to wake up and find out I have more ambition for my clients than they do. That's kind of a waste of my time anymore. So if they've got an unrelenting itch for excellence, it means that they're constantly wanting to learn and do more and produce more, right? Those are great clients for me. I look at myself as a catalyst for that itch, if you would. All right. Catalyst for the itch to be better. I write a lot of notes, so we can ask. Well, let's see it this way. One of the things that I do is I, I have a... There's a values list on my website. You can go to it. You can download it. Yeah, you got to put your email in, but you know, download it, print it off, look at all the things that are important to you, mark them, print it off, mark them, right? And then rank yourself on them. And when you rank yourself on them, then figure out who you want to be next year because you're a whole 12 months to grow to it, right? Write it down. One of the things I ask people is, when was the last time you told a white lie? You know, those sneaky little Mm -hmm. things around the edges? Nobody ever says never. And so what you're saying is, and then you ask them, well, do you have integrity? And they say, oh, yeah, right. But you just said you'd lie once in a while. So if you want to grow, then you've got to put that. You know, I built this process in 1999 put a particular value at the top of your pile and run all your decisions through that. And that way you've got an under, understanding of who that makes you be. And if wow. that repetitive, repetitive process, right? Repetitive mm-hmm. process puts it deeper into you. If integrity is your goal, then have it be absolute. If stuff comes out of your mouth that's not true, stop it, embarrass yourself, and retract it. And eventually you get to the place where the stuff that's about to come out of your mouth, you stop it and reframe it before it comes out. Because the foundation for lying is insecurity, dead flat. Yeah. You're feeling scared or nervous or anxious, but underneath that is insecurity and lack of self-belief, strength, if you would. If you need strength, character strength, the key under that is certainty. Stop and look at all the things that you're certain about. All the areas you have strength, you will find a single, if you would dust bunny, you'll find a single particle of truth, absolute truth, certainty in the core of that. Mm-hmm. How you learn certainty is awareness and conscious presence and learning. I drive my clients pretty hard. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking through this, man. You're hitting us with a lot here. I'm just. I'm trying to process. This is awesome. This is awesome because it, it, having conversations with you, Brad, is is so great because the depth that you can help people because you're working 
to help them in their mind. I mean, really uh, unleash the roadblocks in their mind. Yep. Well, the key is this. How do you inspire others if you don't know how to inspire yourself? Yeah. Or how are you self-inspiring on a daily basis? What gets you excited? What are you doing that stops that? Look at that whole process. Self-inspiration is a marvelous skill. It takes time to do that. And then you turn that out on everybody else and train your entire staff to be self-inspiring. What have you got? You've got this ferocious energy going on, and then you can focus it on accomplishing the end result. And if that's, okay, we're going to go from 15% growth to 100% growth over the next two years. We're going to work everybody into this. You've got to have everybody completely on fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fun. That that's awesome. And I got I wrote it down because we want to go back to that definitely about self-inspiration. I think that's going to be awesome to talk about that. So when we're talking about improving the business sale or succession with growth, I mean, the situations where you've been in and helped clients that were, were exiting their business, how, how, I mean, how important was the fact that their business was, was accelerating, the growth was strong in, in the overall getting a deal done? And get the deal done? Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, if someone's excited about something, they get your attention. Yeah. If there's something boring going on, you know, you go in, you talk to the executive team, and you talk, you look at their numbers and everything's flat. Nobody's excited in a flat, no growth company. Nobody. Yeah. Right? So you're not going to want to pay a lot of money for a no growth company. Yeah. People are disappointed. So if you're on the sell side, get excited again. If you're on the buy side, wake up and pay attention. So yeah. it makes a significant difference. Yeah, that's for sure. And and like you said before, we got we've got we've got a business sale that's closing this week, and it is a company that grew nearly 100 percent last year and 60 percent the year before. And, and looks to project even heart, larger growth this year. And the, the thing that happens in that, as you said, not only are the people energized, they're, they're, they, you feel it, but when people are, buyers are looking at a company like that, the owners are in a position, the sellers are in a, in a position where they can say, fine, if you're not interested today, my growth is going to continue and you can come back tomorrow and pay me a lot more for it. Right. And, and it literally happened to people in this deal and ended up paying significantly more because they waited or, or had other deals going on and, and, and it didn't, it didn't work out like, like they, they thought, but that's, that's the thing that, that we see as, as people that are in the, in the process of helping people get those businesses sold when there is that significant growth you have this fire that's that's just the fire you're stoking the fire and it's like it's like putting you know honey and around the bees or whatever you know or in a bees in a flower field man it's just it's it's crazy how it attracts people to it right and um so one of the things back to back to growth because you you people talk about growing business and they talk about 10 15 percent a year and to me that makes me go to sleep so 
you talked about this before and you talk about adding a zero to your business growth. Okay. So let's take it this way. If you've got a company that's running at a hundred percent growth, all you got to do is wait two and a half years. You've added a zero. Yeah. Right. So yep. grow, learn how to grow your company faster than it is. You know, it's, it's everybody can do the math, right? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I have a client literally the last time I talked to him, he said, I just got off the client phone, like in the last half, you know, half day with a, with a, not a potential client. The client said, yes, they're literally going to add a zero to this client's revenue. Mm -hmm. That client over the next yeah. five years, but still they're going to add and they get half of it up front. So it's like, yeah. here's this go, go, go. So it's not if <laughs> it's when you do it, right? It's when you do it. So the, the, the thing that I, I look at, and as I see businesses and talk to business owners and CEOs, it seems like a lot of the, the barriers to growth are self-imposed. Do you, do you see that? Well, I have a statement about that. Do you think it's possible to grow an organization beyond the limitations of a leader? No. Right. If you go to pick any major corporate bankruptcy and you go back two to three years, somewhere in that two to three years prior, a group made a decision. There were two or three key people in that decision. They made a decision that was, we're going to go there. And they didn't look at the ramifications, the consequences of their actions. They didn't think down through it. They were caught up in the moment. They were being greedy or whatever. They were excited about it. They weren't paying attention and being rational. So leadership makes a significant difference in whether you get to add more zeros to your life, right? Mm -hmm. Or you don't, period. So if you're willing to take the work on in hand and you're ambitious enough, it can be accomplished. Yeah. If you if you own a business and it's got a good process going, you know, then figure out how to double it. If you can't, call me. <laughs> we'll figure yeah. it out. So when when you look at these though, these businesses, I mean, how many times do you get in them and it and it is the leader's mindset, their view of the world, whatever that really is holding them the the business itself back. Rarely, okay. It is, rarely, it is not them. It, it oh, so most of the time it is. It most is. of the time it's them. Yeah. Most yeah. of the time it's them. Maybe there's a group of owners. Doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. In that collection, if you would group think, there are there are flaws in their thinking, and so there's a reason why I named my company Stellar Insight. I sit down with a client for the first time, or even a potential client. And by the time we finish the first hour, I know almost all the gaps in them, in the business, and in the leadership team. I know all of them, right? And then if they want, and they're willing to kind of get uncomfortable on a really regular basis, we'll go down through it. I had a client talk to the executive team for the first time face-to-face. -face, by the time I finished that day with them, 
I talked to the president and I said, you realize, of course, your CEO, COO has to go. He said, yeah, we had him gone in a week. Mm -hmm. Okay. We had had him replaced already. It took me uh, about a year and a half to replace the CFO. Now that was two and a half years later. So, but everybody that needed to change changed. If they couldn't, we adjusted their, you know, their training. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. It's, it's easy to tell if you listen carefully. Think about this. List all, the, all your gripes. <laughs> Look at your business. List all the things you hate about it. List all the things that bug the heck out of you about it. List them down and say, who's the cause? Mm -hmm. And if you're doing blaming, get real. That's what children do. Yeah. It shifts responsibility. The whole purpose of blame or criticism is shifting responsibility. Well, if you're not responsible for your own business, whether you're the owner or the CEO, then you have no business being there. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great. I've been reading some of the, what is it? Jocko, whatever. I can't remember his last name. The Navy SEAL that's written the book. It's, oh. uh, yeah. It talks about all you're responsible for everything, whether you, whether you really want to admit it or right. not. <laughs> I think I've got that book right over you there. Probably right. do, you probably do, probably do. But it is true. It's very true in the business. And that's that's one of the things that I try to say is when people, that, I, someone brought this instance up to me a, a few weeks ago. They said um, they were talking with a, a, a business and they've been having, they, they, they just can't hire people. Okay, can't hire the right people, can't hire the right people, can't hire the right people. And they, I said, well, how long has it been that you couldn't find people? They, they said, well, it's been about five years since we've really been able to hire people. And and they go, well, how long have you been with the company? I said, I've been here about five years. Ah. <laughs> and that's a, you know, because honestly, when we look back at, at, at things, if we, if we, you make a great point. If we don't take ownership for what we're doing and the, the, the things that are happening around us as a leader in a business, then you might as well just turn the lights off. Well, okay. So if you want to hire people, um, here's the clue on that. You go to Myers-Briggs, even though people say it's worthless, you go to the Myers-Briggs, you take your own MBTI score and look at it. If you're an introvert, ouch. If you're an extrovert or somewhere in the middle, that's okay, right? But what you're looking for is someone who's both an N, which is intuitive, as opposed to sensory, and someone who is an F, not all the way to the top, but someone that's about halfway up on the F scale and have them run their your hiring process. Because what that means is they have the ability to read people and read their emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. Very good. You want someone to run operations or your IT department, then you want an NT, right? Very good. Yeah. Well, and that's just one of the things that I still don't, I still don't understand why more companies don't use uh, testing, uh, personality testing, because it is so effective. Well, let's put it this way. When people hire, oh, I like that person. I'm going to hire them. Right. What are they stepping over? Think about how many divorces there are in the world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Start out madly in love with the person. And then you wake up about a year and a half later. And you go, what was I really thinking? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's a that's the same process we use in hiring. Our gut tells us, right? Well, your gut is your emotions, and what you're doing is you're cloning yourself. Stop that. 
figure out yeah. what type of person you want. There's several, you know, go figure it out, test it for yourself. Go down through some of the assessments, the DISC assessment, the MBTI. I heard a new one today. What's the name of it? The Colby, right? Check with them, run them yourself and see how accurate they are about who you are. Mm -hmm. And then say, okay, is that the sort of person that I need for a salesperson? Let me put it this way. If you've got outbound sales going on and you've got to do cold calling, you've got to have somebody that's got to be relatively tough, tough emotionally, resilient. If you've got a relationship builder, that's a different type of human being. Relationship sales is different than, you know, outbound sales constantly. Mm -hmm. So relationship sales is a different thing. Person that does marketing is a radically different person. So yeah. my recommendation is, and there are tests, assessments out there that will tell you, how do I get somebody who, okay, I've got a group of, you know, most people are familiar with the term of hunters and farmers for salespeople, right? Yep. I have no of a client who has, of his whole company, he has two hunters and the rest of them are farmers. You can't grow a company with only two farmers. I mean, with only two hunters. You yes. Can't, cannot. Yes. yes. Right? You have so to be hunting a bit more than that. Teach them. Yes. You can teach them. Well, you got to structure the company that way so that the hunters feed the farmers. Right? Mm hmm mm hmm Wow. So when, when you go... Another question I had. So, again... Talking about uh, improving a business sale or succession with growth. And we talk about the business owners, CEOs, the executive, the high, high level executives. One of the things that I've, I've seen a lot of people talking about personally experienced myself over the last several years is the importance of reading and growing yourself into your future self okay how much do you do you think that really makes a difference when you're working with clients and you're going listen we're here today but we're going there tomorrow and getting that executive team to really understand where they're at today and where they need to be tomorrow and working on that for themselves so they can so they can really take the company and everyone else there is that, I mean, do you see that that's right. a big part of this? Okay. So when you're hiring people, one of the things you have to determine is what's their speed of learning? Ah. How fast, how fast do they learn in a new situation? Right. Mm -hmm. Drop them into the middle of the swimming pool. It's like, okay, can you learn to swim without drowning yourself sort of thing? Mm -hmm. How many books have you read in the last year? Isn't that a good interview question? And what were the ones that stood out to you the most? Yeah. Okay. I have a couple of books that I would I want everybody to read, right? That I've read recently. One is Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. And the other one is The Four Disciplines of Execution. The third one that I just finished is The, the Genius Habit. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for your career process, read The Genius Habit. And I think you tuned me into the rock, rocket fuel. Yep. Um, if you're a visionary, then you need, uh, what's it called? An integrator? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. you, you need, need an integrator. integrator. 
Yep. You know, the number of people that are good at both is very rare. Yeah. So I went through, I read the book, I did the tests. And the only reason I didn't get higher on the integrator process was because I had to answer. There were some either or questions. Mm -hmm. So I came out 98 of visionary. Imagine stellar insight. Right. So 98 on the on the uh, visionary and 89 on the integrator. So, yeah. Yeah. And then usually it's not, it's usually it's way lopsided comparatively. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Way different. Yeah. Yeah. Way different. Yeah. I've noticed that when I take that test too, that I come out fairly and, and depending on the days it actually can flip Yeah, uh, when you look at it. But the, 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 the point back again about the, the growth is when I look at businesses that grow uh, and look at leadership teams that really can grow, it's, it's almost, and you talk about speed of learning. And I, I think, that is is so key in these businesses that really grow because it's like listen that if if you're not able to learn enough to say that yesterday this this worked great yesterday but it's going to kill us today if we keep doing it and we have to change that doesn't work i think that's that's my thing and i that i i i really think when i see these businesses and i see the ones that are really good at at going not only one year because, you know, there's a lot of people that can stumble into something and make them one year of growth. But when you make multiple years of growth, it really takes that mindset, I think, of being able to go, OK, that was the challenge yesterday, but we're working on this challenge today. OK, so good for corporate people. You can do cost cutting and make the business look better for about two years. And then after that, you've got to jump to another business and do cost cutting there. I won't mention any names, but there were some that just like, oh yeah, stay away from businesses like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're learning, you're constantly growing, you're constantly scanning the environment and saying, okay, what do I need to know right now? What am I going to need to know six weeks from now, a year from now, five years from now? What do I, how do I want to be better? Mm-hmm. So. And that that is that that is the thing that I was I was thinking about is is really it, when you're teaching these teams, you almost have to be judging them whether or not they're that type of person, don't you? Well, that only takes or helping them. Well, helping them grow. Yeah, you can't be around me and not, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, put, I'm just a compulsive teacher, but I'm also a compulsive pusher, right? If yeah. you're willing to grow, I'm willing to push you. What, what, whatever your comfort zone is, find the edge of it and stay there. What do I need to know now? What makes me really, really uncomfortable that I need to know how to do? What makes me really uncomfortable that I need to know how to do? I'm going to write that down. It's not a weakness. It's just something you don't know how to do yet, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like all of us. There are no humans on the face of the planet. I've never heard any stories, at least that were too lazy to learn how to walk. Mm -hmm. None. Now, physically, they might not have been able to, you know, brain-wise, they might not have been able to, but <laughs> no lazy people at that age, right? Yeah. So there's nothing you can't learn how to do. Mm -hmm. You learned how to walk, you learned how to drive, you learned how to read the alphabet and multiply, right? You learned all those things. Wake up, pick it up and run. Mm -hmm. There's no yeah. reason why you can't be magnificently successful.
You're yeah. the reason why. That is true. I I read that again this morning. It was it was something to that very thing. It's like you are the only thing that's holding yourself back. Well, let's put it this way. Two worst things you can do in your life is not take responsibility and not prove to yourself you're capable, right? So proving to yourself you're capable eliminates, you no, know, that's the learning process, right? So I was going somewhere with this. I've forgotten it already. <laughs> okay. But when, when we look at this, when we look at this and taking, you know, we're the, we're the limit to our growth. And I come back again and talk about this and went down this, this line of, of discussion because I, I think that what you're doing in a lot of the situations and in, in the coaching that you do, where you're going to put a company and, and allow a company to really remove the roadblocks to go into extreme growth is, is getting them into that mindset where they are taking responsibility. They are learning, learning at a very fast pace because they have to stay ahead of everything else because they're working to be themselves. That's good enough for, to lead the people in the organization into tomorrow rather than letting the organization kind of go where it's going to go. They have to be the ones that are, that are moving and leading that there. Well, or, or the competitors, right? Or the competitors, but if they're really good, they're not, the competitors aren't the ones that are leading them that way. And, and that's, that's my point in that is, is it takes, you know, just as much. And this is, this is, I think happens in a lot. People see success and they think, well, maybe I, I, you know, it success breeds complacency. I think it's just a, a fact. You oh. got to deal with it and push them, push people out of that. Right. And, you know, and especially, and this is where you, where you're talking about business growth and a sailor succession. Cause when you see somebody that's been in a business for a while, it generates a lot of money for them. It, it's really easy to slow down and go, man, this thing is just making us good money where there's no reason to to really push the boat, rock the boat, to push things hard, blah, 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 blah. And far too many people get lulled into the, to success lulls them into complacency and comfort. But what they don't realize is that that buyer coming in there does not have that sense of, of uh, comfort because they're in a completely different situation than that seller is. And the only thing that gives that buyer or that person coming in that's going to take the business over for the family, right? And this happens, a sale of succession to me is the same thing because if you don't, if your business isn't attractive to a buyer or the person that's going to take over the business, they're not going to be there. So um, I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm succeeding the business of my children. I don't have to do that. Well, let's back up a little bit. Have you really talked to your children about what they want in their in the business and what makes them excited about the business and what they see for it in the next 20 years? Because they're the ones going there. Yep. And, and if you're not doing that today, they're going to go someplace else. And just like a buyer. And when when you when you do this and you do things like you're talking about in the in the learning and the and getting the right people in the right places and doing the right things, you develop this this these organizations that are continually reinventing themselves and moving forward and, and leading the market and doing, and, and doing really some amazing things. Yep. And you feel that energy. You feel that energy when you're doing it. So it makes a difference. Why would I write a check for a company that was asleep? 
There you go. Why would I write a check for a company that's asleep? Yep. Because, and it, it it's, and, and, and but looking at it from both sides, right? Uh, from the side of the seller, that could be like an annuity. It could, oh. it could kick you, it could kick you money out every year, kick you million dollars, $10 million a year, every year. But right. it doesn't, doesn't mean that that, that buyer is ever going to put a dollar down because that same annuity is comes from the fact that you've had it for many many years you have zero debt or very little debt probably and and it's all returns for you well that buyer coming in is going to take a loan and may have other investors may have returns they've got to do uh to pr provide for those investors there's a much different risk profile that they see coming in so so there's a key in this if the business owner has gotten to the place where they're complacent and they want to sell the company, you can actually hire, bear with me, hire fire. In other words, there you, you go. hire enthusiasm. Do it. It's a great point. It's a great point because, because that does, when you're, when you're looking about improving, uh, you've proven a sales succession with growth, hiring the fire is necessary and hiring a fire, hiring that fire, that, person, that talent that's going to help your business just take off to the next level is it does two things. One, it removes you from the direct line of fire of that business. It makes it more valuable without you, which is what you want. Yep. And the second thing it does is it is it get it inspires your team and gives the buyers that sense of comfort that they are not going to have to figure things out. They're not going to have to. And it makes it a much less risky transition for them, too. Yeah, absolutely. So that's good stuff. Well, Brad, it's been awesome talking to you today about, you know, improving a business sales succession with growth. You are the growth master. You get into people's teams, get into their minds, get into their hearts and really show them how to do this stuff. And I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. That was the other that was the point I've forgotten. It's. It's not just your head, it's your head and your heart that you're working with. Oh, yeah. No. We, we go right. down that a long time because I'll tell you, I, I use sports metaphors in this all the time. and I know it drives people crazy, but you look at the best performing teams, business, sports, take it across the world, doesn't matter. It's not just the strongest people. It's not just the smartest people. No. You have to have your, you have to be smart. You have to be strong. You have to have your, you have to have your mind in your, and you got to be strong, but you have to have your heart in it. And that heart, when you when you engage the whole person, yep, you get that special thing going on. That that's what wins, because those are the people that come up with the 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 game winning solutions that nobody else thought about, because they put that last you know infinitesimal percentage of effort in that nobody else ever even thought to do. All right. Right. It's yeah. fun though. I love it. Oh yeah. 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 So what are you looking forward to this year? We're coming out of COVID here. Kind of we're getting back to normal. What are you looking forward to this year? I have a long-term goal. That's to coach governors. What would there happen if I did the same thing to a, to a whole state? Yes. Right. To yes. grow the economy to the point, get everybody inside the state fired up because my client governor, if you would, was inspiring enough to get everybody else lit up and moving grow a company you know grow a state that's so that's my that's my ultimate goal i want to do that right so i've got write a book start a podcast and um started training for uh 
training in uh, the intuition that's required for visionary leaders. I want right. people, we need, we need visionary leaders in this world. Mm -hmm. We definitely do. I'm excited do. about that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, Brad, great to have you here today. I appreciate you. I just love your insight in this. And thanks. Thanks to you. Thanks to Elizabeth was here today. Uh, Curtis and all the other people that were, were listening, but didn't comment. Thanks for being here. We'll be back again later this week. Thank you.